At this time, our, we're going to have our scripture reading from Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. And Mr. Tanner Kaysen is going to read the scripture this morning. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also designated Apostle Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. There is, um, there's nothing like being selected. Uh, it doesn't really matter what it is. I'll take that back. Maybe it does matter what it is. There's some things you don't want to be selected for, maybe like jury duty. Um, you don't like, I don't ever like getting that. I've only happened one time, didn't like it. So it doesn't, but it really, you know, it, it feels great. feels good to be chosen, to be wanted, to be selected. It also feels horrible when you're left out. For instance, third grade, recess, game, kickball. You know the drill. Two are chosen to be captains. Uh, typically, they're the most athletic, so you sort of split them off into two teams. And then one by one, they go and choose who they want on their team until none are left. And there I was. Standing, waiting to be selected. Waiting, waiting, waiting until it was just me and a girl in my class. I mean, of course, I'm going to be next, right? I mean, it's like, uh, duh. Um, there's no way a girl is going to be picked ahead of me, never mind that all the other girls that have been picked ahead of me already. Not this time, though. Until, yep, they chose her over me. And there I was, the last to be chosen for a game of kickball. I guess you could call me Mr. Irrelevant. Um, some of you may know what that is. That's what they call the player chosen, the last player chosen in the NFL draft every year. He's called Mr. Irrelevant. The current QB of the San Francisco 49ers, Brock Birdie, holds that title. Um, but he's going he's gonna to be playing today, and he's gonna, he might show them uh, who Mr. Irrelevant is, right? And so did I back in third grade. Like, all right, pick me last. I may or may not have proven why I was picked last. But it feels good to be chosen. It feels good to be selected. And I want to remind all of us this morning that we are all, all of you, every single one of you, are chosen. We have all been selected. It doesn't matter if you've been a member of this church your entire life or you don't know who Jesus is. We all have the same purpose and calling on our lives. We are called to go and make disciples, to be a disciple and to make a disciple. 
God has selected us all for that calling. We then have to decide if we are going to accept that calling. As I get going this morning, I just want to do a little recap for us. We have been in a series on disciple making, disciple be one, make one. And we started by defining what is a disciple. And the definition is in the invitation. Jesus called his first followers and said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. So a disciple first is a follower of Jesus. We, we are to learn to be like Jesus. We, we follow the way he, he lived, we follow the way he taught, and we try to be like Jesus. A disciple is also being transformed by Jesus. Jesus says, I will make you. The more we learn to be like Jesus, the more we are transformed by Jesus into the likeness of Christ. And then we're to be on mission for Jesus. Uh, multiply, fishers of people, go and make disciples. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. It's all over scripture. We are to be disciples who make disciples. That's our purpose. That's our mission. And we are to be all in on the mission of Jesus. But somewhere along the line, we forgot the mission. We forgot our purpose. There's a song by Casting Crowns called Slow Fade. I think that's what it's been like for the church, at least the church in America. The church over generations has slowly faded away from the mission of Jesus. Yes, Jesus came to redeem us of our sin, to restore us back into a right relationship with the Father by the way of the cross. But Jesus also came to set up a movement of disciples who would go out and make disciples, who make disciples, sharing the redeeming message of Jesus. I mean, listen, Jesus, I mean, listen, let's just think about this. Jesus could have lived his life, taught some people, healed some people, gone to the cross, and that would have been it. Instead, he chose to do life with, teach, and train a group of men who, when they were fully trained and filled with the Holy Spirit, were sent out on mission for Jesus to go make disciples who make disciples. And you and I are here today because those 12 men, 11, those disciples, went and made disciples who made disciples who made disciples and on and on and on and on. That is the only reason you and I are here today. But somewhere along the way, we forgot the mission. And I include a big I in the we, okay? We forgot the mission. And even if we didn't necessarily forget the mission to go and make disciples, we thought with our big brains as human beings, we thinking we're in control and we know best, we somehow thought that we could do it differently than the way Jesus did it. We thought that the classroom was better than the bleacher. We decided a teacher needed to sit there and teach and the student needed to listen and not do anything. We decided somehow it was okay to stop holding people accountable. We decided that once a week, an hour on Sunday is enough. Let's let the preacher and the staff do it all. 
They are the professionals. And listen, I am as much to blame as anyone. Pastors like me who said, yep, you're right. This is what I get paid to do. I'm going to do it all. That's not the way Jesus did it. And because of it, we've gotten off mission. But there's good news. I love throwing the bad news because then I get to throw the good news. The good news is all we got to do is look at how Jesus did it and do that. It's pretty simple. Look at how Jesus did it and do that. If we're to follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and then to be sent out on mission for Jesus, then we need to study how Jesus did it. And so I'm just going to tell you this morning, for the next several weeks until we end in March, yep, we're going to, we are talking about this for a long time. From here on out, I'm going to be uh, basing my messages off a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. It's a small book. If you want to pick it up, I highly recommend it. What Coleman did, it's this, it's this, it's this uh, amazing thing that Coleman did. He read the Gospels. He learned how Jesus made disciples, and then he wrote a book about it. It really should be called The Master Plan of Discipleship. He later wrote a book called The Master Plan of Discipleship. It's not as good as his first book. But as we look at Jesus' master plan of disciple-making, we see that the first step is selection. First step is selection. That's what we see taking place in our passage from Luke 6, verse 32. By the way, I mean, that was just read expertly, by the way. I'm just a little, so. But Luke uh, 6, verse 13 says, When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. He selected 12 men to be apostles, men who would be sent out to share the good news of Jesus. Jesus chose them. He selected them. Told you how good it feels to be chosen, to be selected. These men must have felt very special to be selected. We talked about how these men would have gone through up to two levels of Jewish schooling. Um, but they would not have been able to go on to um, the third step where Jewish uh, boys were invited to follow a, a famous rabbi and travel with them and learn their ways and their teachings to learn to become by, like them. And then at the age of 30, they would be then able to have their own disciples. These 12 that Jesus chose were not invited to continue their schooling. They were not invited to follow a rabbi. They had to go back to the family business. But here, this new rabbi is on the scene. His name's Jesus. And he's teaching profound truths. He's performing signs and wonders. He's causing a whole stir in Jerusalem. And this Jesus chooses these men to be his disciples. They, they were ready to run through a brick wall. Holy cow. Jesus chooses us? Us to be his disciples? Now, they would quickly learn that following Jesus was not easy. And following Jesus is not easy, just to let you know. It's not easy. It's simple, not easy. One of the lessons we learned from Jesus' selection of the 12 disciples is that Jesus focused on a few. He focused on a few. Jesus chose only 12 men. Think about it. Jesus came for the whole world. 
Jesus came to redeem and rescue the whole world, yet he chose to pour his life into only a few, 12. Now, there were other followers. If you read the Gospels closely, there's other followers. He would send out 70 at one point, right? Let's pay attention to our passage. We realize that there were more followers. Verse 13, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. He, 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 he called his disciples to him, and out of those disciples, he chose 12. So there were more. Out of his disciples, out of all the followers that were following him, he chose 12 to be apostles, to be disciples, one who were sent out. I think most of us believe, um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to say this is what I thought. I'm not going to put this on you. That... You know, Jesus calls these men. We see that we uh, seven out of these uh, 12 men, we actually get their call story. Five of them, we don't know their call story. But, you know, Jesus goes by a lake. He calls them out um, from being fishers of men to being fi- uh, fishers of fish to fishers of people. He calls Matthew at the tax collector booth and so forth. Some were following John the Baptist, and he invites them to come follow him. But we think that, uh, or I think, sorry, Jesus just calls these men, and and they just like, he says, come follow me, and they enter into a trance. They drop their, yes, Jesus, we'll follow you. Like, Jesus comes to them out of the blue and says, come follow me, and like, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And suddenly they just, but in reality, Jesus probably was doing life with them many of them, before he ever set them apart to be the 12. See, while Jesus was doing ministry for probably around three years, probably halfway through this is when we get to our passage and he's calling these 12 men out of all of his followers to be his disciples. So he only spent about a year and a half with these men. Still a long time. What we learn is that Jesus wasn't afraid to go small. That's what I love about this. Jesus was focused on a few. That doesn't mean he neglected the crowds. The Gospels are full of him teaching large crowds of people, the masses. He fed 5,000, crowds of 4,000. Those were just the men that didn't count the women and the children. He taught from a boat in the middle of the lake while the people gathered on the shore. Jesus didn't neglect the masses, but he really poured his life into just a few. And even inside the 12, there was another inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John, that went that Jesus went with even deeper than the 12. These disciples were there on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were there with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. There was the 12 and the three. He focused on a few. Jesus focused on a few. I love this quote from Robert Coleman, the author of uh, Master Plan of Evangelism. He says, one cannot transform a world except as individuals in the world are transformed. And individuals cannot be changed except as they are molded in the hands of the master. One cannot transform a world except as individuals in the world are transformed and individuals cannot be changed except as they are molded in the hand of the master, the master being Jesus. So many of us, we get, we look at the news, we look at the, look at, so we scroll social media and we're like, this world, we're heading to this crazy election cycle. Oh my gosh. Listen, most, if not all of that, is outside of your control. Can I get an amen? 
So stop worrying. Stop worrying right now. Although for some of you, as I tell you not to worry, you're just worrying even more. But we get so focused on like all this stuff is happening. Guess what? Guess what transforms the world? An individual being transformed and molded by the master. And Jesus knew that. And so he focused on 12 men, and then he focused even more on three men. And you and I are here because Jesus did it that way, so maybe we ought to do it that way. That was all free. Jesus knew that transformation could only happen in a few. And those few were being molded in the hands of the master. Here's what we've got to realize. Smaller is better. Large gatherings like this have their place. It is awesome to be together with the body of Christ, to worship God together. Amazing. But disciple making happens in small groups. Okay? Disciple making happens when we come alongside someone and do life with them. Disciple making happens when two or three are gathered around an open Bible. That's where transformation, that's how transformation happens. And here's the thing about going small. Whoo, it takes time, y'all. It takes time. It's not an overnight fix. It's not a six-week program, and suddenly everything is fixed. Think about it. Jesus did at least a year and a half with these 12 men, and they still didn't get it until Jesus went to heaven and the Holy Spirit came down. This takes time, and we have to give it time. But Jesus focused on a few. And when we look at how Jesus made disciples, we've got to remember that prayer is priority. Prayer is priority. Listen to verse 12 of our passage. This is how our passage begins. One of those days, Jesus went onto a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Before Jesus chose the 12, before he... Uh, uh, selected the 12 out of his group of followers, he went to a mountainside to pray and he prayed all night. Again, we've sometimes failed to remember to look at how Jesus did it and, and do that. And think, oh, you know, maybe we ought to do it like that. When we read the Gospels, Jesus often withdraws to a, a place to be by himself, to be with the Father. And in this case, before he makes one of the most important decisions of his earthly ministry, Jesus spends all night praying. And so we begin to think about making disciples and coming alongside people. We need to be in prayer. We need to be in prayer. Last week, I introduced to you the Adopt 3 plan. Uh, if you didn't get one last week, you weren't here. There's some on the front. There's some in the back. You can barely read those steps on this, this uh, picture, but that's okay. It's a way for you and I to come alongside people, um, to begin to have relationships with people, to help them follow Jesus. You might remember the first two steps. The first step is to choose three people. And then the second step is to pray for them. I think I might like amend this step to add a 0.5 step. There's a, so there's the step one. There's before that, there's a 0.5. I don't know if you can do this. I don't know if you're allowed, but I'm going to try. That 0.5 step is for you to actually pray 
about those three people, about who those three people are. Asking God to give you those names, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member. Then you pray some more about their needs and about them being open to hearing uh, the gospel of, of Jesus. Prayer is so key in all of this talk that we are having about the making disciples. It was key for Jesus, and it ought to be key for us. We've got to ask God to lead us in this, lead us to the right people to help us to be a disciple so that we can be disciples and make disciples. Prayer is priority. So if we want to be like Jesus in our disciple making, we've got to focus on a few, and we've got to make prayer a priority. I want to offer you another helpful tool when you're selecting someone to disciple. You need to be on the lookout for fat people. Yep, let's just let that settle. I mean, I am highly qualified, but it's not what you're thinking. The word fat is an acronym, F-A-T. Faithful, available, teachable. I guarantee you're not going to forget it. When you're looking for people to disciple, you want fat people. You want faithful people. Does this person demonstrate a faithfulness to following Christ? Available. Is this person available to participate in relationships, events that encourage spiritual growth and worship? Do they have time in their schedule? And then are they teachable? Does this person demonstrate an openness to God and others for change, or do they resist learning? Do they know it all, or are they willing to learn? Listen, the first step of disciple-making is key. Selection is key. As we think about going and making disciples, it's a huge part of it. The selection process sets the tone for the rest of the relationship. If the other person is lacking in faithfulness or availability or teachableness, that's not a word. Is it a word? You know what I mean. If they're not faithful, if they're not available, and if they're not teachable, it's going to be tough sledding. Tough sledding. And, and sometimes you're going to get it wrong. That's okay. There is, there's a name. I don't know if you saw it. There's a name on Jesus' list that was not faithful and probably wasn't very teachable. The very last verse, Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, we can talk about whether or not Jesus, uh, in his divinity, knew that this was going to happen and so forth and all that, but Judas is a great example, a cautionary tale of the importance of getting the selection right. Let me bring this home even further. Sure, we want to make sure that the folks that we're coming alongside in disciple-making are faithful, available, and teachable. That is a fact, absolutely. But we're to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We're to be disciples who make disciples. So we've got to make sure that we're faithful that we're available, and that we're teachable. If we are not those things, then we're not going to make very good disciples. We have to be disciples 
as we make disciples. Let me remind you the way I started. I started by telling you that everyone has been chosen. Everyone's purpose in life is to be a disciple and to make a disciple. Even if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, your purpose in life is to be a disciple of Jesus and to make disciples of Jesus. You just have to choose to follow. Jesus came to redeem and to rescue us because our sin had separated us from God. And Jesus' first message in Mark 1 was repent and believe the good news. Repent means to turn away. Jesus' first invitation was for you and I to repent, to turn away from our sin, and to believe the good news, to turn from our sin and to turn towards God. Be a disciple. Be a follower of Jesus. And then go and make disciples. If you want to be a, a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, if your desire is to turn from your sin and to turn towards God, I want you to know that the invitation from Jesus is there for you this morning. Tell him, I repent. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to do anything. Just in your, in your mind and in your heart, tell God, I repent of my sin, and I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to be like you. I want to have a purpose for my life, and I know that my purpose is to follow you and to make other disciples of Jesus. You can confess, listen, I don't know how this works. I don't have it all figured out, but I do know that I want to follow you. If that's your desire this morning, do not leave here this morning without telling Jesus that you want to follow him. Don't leave without letting me know. I want to help you in your next steps. Folks, let's be disciples who make disciples. That's what it's all about. Let's focus on a few and make prayer our priority. Let's find people who are faithful and available and teachable. And let's be that as well, faithful, available, and teachable. Remember, I love you. God loves you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for fact that you want to partner with us in this ministry of making disciples. We thank you that you have chosen us, Lord, that every single human on this planet has been chosen to follow you and to go and to make disciples. We just need to turn from our sin and turn to you. Lord, if there's somebody here this morning who has not chosen to follow you, who's still stuck in their sin. Lord, I pray that they would speak to you this day. Confess to you that they want to turn away from their sin and to turn to you, to follow Jesus, to learn what it means to follow Jesus so that they can go and make disciples. Lord, we thank you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.